welcome to Multiverse OQ, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now I'm podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And it's been a year since we last tackled uh, Squadron Supreme. Actually, like, just, well, like, three or four weeks over a year. But yeah, it's been a while. Classic Squadron. With their Supremes. They love the Supremes. The Burrito Supreme. The Chicken Supreme. A Cutlass Supreme. The Nacho Supreme. The last time we had British Andrew on and we tackled the main Squadron Supreme run that was written by Mark Grunewald. And this week we are covering all of the things that are sequels to it. This week we are covering Squadron Supreme Death of a Universe as well as Avengers Volume 3, number 5 through 6, the Avengers Squadron Supreme Annual 1998, and then Squadron Supreme New World Order, which will take our team out of their universe again, get them mind-controlled quite a few times, and then finally return them home because we're going to be visiting them soon in Exiles. Because <gasps> it's one of those preppy things. Yay. So, if you want to check out our previous Squadron Supreme episode for more details, we will have a link for that on the show notes at multiverseq.com. But, uh, this all takes place on Earth 712, where the Squadron Supreme, who's a bunch of Justice League analogs, got mind-controlled and destroyed their Earth, and eventually they got free, they wanted to fix the Earth, so they decided to take over the country for a while. Nighthawk, the Batman analog, resisted. And basically, as they just went along, uh, they started doing more problematic things, uh, like brainwashing criminals and rewriting what they saw was good and bad. But they eventually did bring back the country from the brink of disaster. Uh, Nighthawk created his own team of superheroes called the Redeemers, and they eventually met up, had a big fight. Nighthawk died, and the Squadron Supreme returned power to the government. And the characters at the start of this are Hyperion, who's essentially Superman, Dr. Spectrum, who's pretty much Green Lantern, except that he absorbed the power prism that gives him his powers into his body, Power Princess, who's your Wonder Woman analog who has a magical shield, Wizard, who is a Flash analog. Lady Lark, who is the Black Canary analog, who had been mind-controlled into marrying the former Golden Archer, who ended up uh, getting killed by Blue Eagle, who was the Hawkman analog. Uh, Arcana, who is the Zatanna log, who is married and has kids, including her new son Benjamin, who was born during the fight between the uh, Squadron Supreme and the Redeemers. Shape, who's essentially a mentally handicapped version of Plastic Man. Uh, Redstone, who's sort of an analog to steel. He has super strength. Moonglow, who can cast illusions like Gypsy, and who has not purposefully shown her true form, because instead of looking like your stereotypically attractive uh, female superhero, she has uh, she's a fat woman. There's Inertia, who has kinetic powers. And is somewhat an analog of Vixen and Haywire, who is somewhat of an analog to Vibe, who can form Tangle Wire. And then there is also Professor Amam, who is the Doctor Fate analog. And so you ready for this, Devin? I am. So we start off. Well, 
of the Squadron Supreme Death of the Universe, which came out in 1989. It was written by Mark Grunewald, with pencils by Paul Ryan, inks by Al Williamson, colors by Paul Beckton, and letters by Janice Chang. Unlike what it says on the Marvel.com site, because that site is riddled with, like, inaccuracies on the, uh, like, Marvel Unlimited app. Because, like, they had this as coming out in 1999, and it's like, no, Grunewald was dead for three years at that point. Plus, even just looking at this art. Yeah, it is very Very 80s art. art. Mm -hmm. And so we start off with the Scarlet Centurion, who's a alternate universe version of Kang the Conqueror, a.k.a. Ramatut, a.k.a. Nathan Richards, who lives in the year 3979 in Earth 712, where... He surrounded himself with attractive women who are fighting for his joy and like pleasure and like everyone's pretty much living to serve him and his uh, cohort Overmind who has the power to take over minds. He was the person who turned the Squadron Supreme Evil for the first time. Places a wager which he wins but Scarlet Centurion doesn't really care because he is growing tired of this world that he lives in. And that's when a servant comes in and gives him an update that they can finally look into more the one time period that he normally can't see, which is the later half of the 20th century, which is where the Squadron Supreme is. And as he looks back from the future, he sees this giant white hand grow out of the sun, eventually consuming the sun and then destroying the feed. And he's pissed off because now he has another mystery beyond why can't I look back at all the times in the 20th century. So he decides to go back in time 12 hours before uh, the Earth would be destroyed to figure out what the Squadron Supreme did in this case. Or rather, what they didn't do. So the team is meanwhile in Squadron City, where they are trying to start the transition process of getting an elected government back in, and they've also disbanded the Squadron Supreme. And this is where we get a recap of the Maxi series. And at the end, Professor Obam ends up calling in Hyperion for help. Meanwhile, Redstone is getting angry that things aren't happening fast enough, so he has started destroying Tom Thumb's lab, seen as the source of a lot of the problems since Tom Thumb was a member of the team who developed all of their great technology. But he has been put into permanent stasis until they can figure out how to cure his cancer. And Power Princess arrives, tries to get him to stop. Their battle causes more damage, and then... Hyperion arrives, tells uh, Redstone that he's in charge of making sure nothing bad happens here, and then he and and then Hyperion and Power Princess fly off. We cut into Arcana's house where she, Phil, her husband, her children, and the shape are hanging out, and we see that uh, she senses some great power in her son Benjamin. My favorite though is about Benjamin and how she basically said that all her other children are shit and she hates them. It's about time we got a good child. The best child. We deserve a good child. Meanwhile, Dr. Spectrum has been visiting all of the dead or near-dying teammates who are in stasis. And he's moping that he didn't get to die. And that's when the wizard comes in and tries to comfort him. Dr. Spectrum, you rotate between horny and morose. What a great place for him to be. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, speaking of horny, on the beach, Inertia and Haywire are having sexy beach times. While Moonglow is creeping in on them from the shadows watching, feeling bad because she hides how she really looks behind an illusion. And Power Princess and Hyperion finally arrive, 
and they get to find out about the hand from Professor Amon, who really doesn't have any additional news for them. They task Wizard to get the rest of the team, but Lady Lark and Dr. Spectrum are currently meeting elsewhere, and the rest of the former Squadron Supreme realizes that they need to get into space, which is going to require a spaceship, which will require the help of Master Menace, the Lex Luthor, and Log, who, unlike Lex, who is permanently bald, he has hair that never stops growing. The Scarlet Centurion shows up to help Master Menace, who has also just noticed the hand, and Master Menace is like, well, I can just leave and go elsewhere. And Scarlet Centurion's like, no, nah, we should probably fi fix this here, otherwise it will keep destroying universes and eventually it may catch up to you. And that's when Hyperion shows up and asks for help. Master Menace initially tries to be like a total dick to him, and Scarlet Centurion's like, no, nah, no, dude, it, it's not the time. It's never the time. It is never the time. Well, at least when you're when you've got like the entire world at your uh, death's door or whatever. Mm -hmm. So Master Menace and Scarlet Centurion decide to make the technology that they are going to need to in the future outside of time, which takes about an hour, which like pisses off Hyperion because he has no idea well, what's really happening. And then they return with the technology, but 15 years have passed and Hyperion feels like he was a bit of a dick, which is good. Because Hyperion is really dickish a lot of the time. Oh, he's like almost always dickish. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Spectrum and Lady Lark have gone to the uh, holding tubes and she sees her husband, Golden Archer, got murdered. And, like, totally ignores the fact that she'd been mind-controlled into uh, loving him. And she asks, uh, and, like, uh, Dr. Spectrum asks her to stay positive and then reveals that when he doesn't use his power, he is completely white. Because his colors all got messed up. Whitest kid we know. Mm-hmm. And then Wizard comes in to get them for the mission. Uh, power Princess tries to keep Arcana from going on the mission because she has kids. And Arcana's like, no, no, I don't want my kids to die. So you should let me go into space. And Power Princess just says, nope. And so they head over to Master Mendes' base with eight hours left to go before the Earth is supposed to be destroyed. And that's when Lady Lark shows up with Blue Eagle's wings, which is really awkward because she does not know that Blue Eagle killed her husband. So that's something. Yeah. And then, yep. And then Arcana has replaced Moonglow on going to the mission. And she also, we don't find out yet, but she's also carrying Benjamin with her. Because of reasons. Because she loves the baby. Uh-huh. She wants to bring that baby into space. Space baby. And so they go into space. But like as soon as they left the atmosphere, Redstone starts spasming as his body starts to shrink. And it turns out that he's only empowered when he is literally on the Earth. And so Dr. Spectrum tries to save him. But he doesn't get back in time to uh, keep him alive. So... Redstone is dead. Do you think that, like, Dr. Spectrum got him, like, maybe halfway there and just chalked him into the atmosphere? And Probably, because like... no one really liked him. Yeah, he is a jerk. He is a jerk. He is like, whoops, my finger slipped. Mm-hmm. And so they finally see that the, uh, like, giant white force that is forming is now bigger than the sun. 
and Master Menace orders the team to use his four devices that, that he's built that's going to set up an aperture around the being. So Dr. Spectrum, Hyperion, Lady Lark, who's now going by Skylark, and Wizard, who's on a magical space treadmill, go out to leave the apertures. And back on the ship, Master Menace realized that he screwed up with his calculations, and they aren't going to reach the creature in time to stop it from absorbing the sun. So Inertia suggests that she tries to use her powers to reverse its growth with help from Amon and Moonglow, who, as we know, is actually Arcana. So they're supposed to make a stasis cocoon, but in the end, it, it's not entirely clear what happens. But, like, what I think is, she got such a pushback from her inertia that she got, like, ground into a pulp and then blasted out through the ship. Yep. And, uh, so it opens up a hole in the ship. Uh, Arcana is able to seal it without, and she temporarily reveals that she is Arcana, which only Scarlet Centurion, who's hanging out there as a hologram sees. And that's when Haywire starts to flip out, so Power Princess knocks him out because dude lost his girlfriend. He's just having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Who else now is he going to be able to use his magical powers to take off their bikinis without it being creepy? Yeah, there. Are, well, we don't know if Power Princess has any relationships on this. Skylark is getting over her husband. Arcana has well, Power Princess, two. and what's it called? It was her and uh, Hyperion. Because when they're flying, yeah. he's just like, "Oh, Power Princess." If only someone like me, if I could only treat you better and give be the boyfriend that you deserve. Yeah. So the uh, four heroes, meanwhile, have set up the bombs, but it turns out that they're, uh, like, trapped and not work. So the being just phases out of it and disrupts the energy and realizes that he screwed up. Master Menace just pieces out to another dimension. And Scarlet Centurion has a new idea and vanishes for a while. And the four people who deliver the bomb are basically told the trap didn't work. And they aren't even going to have enough time to get back to the ship. And so as a result, they all charge into the giant white being to try and stop it. I still just love what Wizard's like ship is, though. Is a treadmill. He's just like, oh, I can probably make it out there, Dr. Spectrum, if you create me a super cool treadmill. Yeah, which which raises questions about how Doctor Spectrum's powers work. Yeah, because presumably they have to be traveling around something that is larger than the sun. Yes. So, yeah. So Imam is finally able to contact the creature, and he finds out that it is Inth Man Thomas Leitner, who was a Bill Mantlo character from Marvel Two and One, who sort of turned himself into a black hole one time, was defeated, and then he used something called a nth projector on himself, which turned himself into an actual black hole device. And so Wonder the Aquarian sent him into another universe, and since then he's been hopping through universes just eating them because he's an asshole. And he's eaten seven universes so far, and Imam dies because of the stress. Arcana then reveals that she is there with her son Benjamin because she's a shitty parent. And that's when Scarlet Centurion reappears with Overmind, who is going to try and take over the Nth Man. But he is like old as balls at this point and his head just explodes, which was pretty great. Yeah. Did you think it was going to be like someone like Nth Man? Not really. I mean, I was. I thought it was going to somehow be like Galactus. Because everyone likes to always bring Galactus into other worlds. 
I guess, but like later on we see what happens when they try and bring in like the Watcher and the Inbetweener and the Dark Phoenix and it's like, nah, that that really doesn't work as much. Well, agreed. I mean, it was a nice way of bringing back a uh, weird character, which kept you guessing at least. Yeah. Is that character in that Marvel 2-in-1 issue book that I got you for Christmas like two years ago, Luke? I think it might be actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Bam. Look at that crushing. And so Scarlet's insurance is like, well, shit, that didn't work. And he prepares to go, and Arcana tries and asks him to take the uh, baby Benjamin with him. And he's like, nope. And he heads out of there with Overmind's body. And as the last 10 minutes are up, Benjamin starts talking psychically, telling his mom not to worry as the world ends. Except that it doesn't really end. Because Benjamin ended up swapping places and roles with Lightner, who now has his destiny as the next Wizard Supreme. And Benjamin is basically the cosmic baby from the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And he's now going to undo the devastation that Lightner caused. And he teleports away. Goodbye, cosmic baby. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Lightner is able to bring back Wizard, Spectrum, Hyperion, and Skylark to the ship. And we That's not what the cut... note says, Luke. What? It says the Null Lightner brings back Wizard, Spectrum, Hyperion, and Chip, Skylark. <sighs> You're gaslighting me, Devin. You're <laughs> gaslighting me. <laughs> there are no shiny teeth that sparkle. Just like a Christmas tree. Just like the stars in space. Mm-hmm. He had to be there because he had to stop and defeat the giant space baby because there's all those stars. Just like the shiny teeth. We then cut to the year 3985, where Scarlet Centurion is alone now. No celebrations, no happiness, and he reflects on him not wanting to take the child because it would have constantly reminded him of his failure. And now the veil of time is closed, and even though he has like 211 years left to go, he has realized that he is still going to die. Poor Scarlet Centurion. Mm-hmm. And so that's the end of uh, that first one, Death of a Universe. And so after that, uh, the Squadron Supreme finds out that they ended up in the 616 universe because Master Menace didn't want them to return home even if they saved the universe. And so they first reappeared in Quasar, or they first appeared in Quasar 13 through 16, where he helped the team to settle down in the 616 as part of Project Pegasus, which is where Quasar worked at the time. And none of this stuff is on Marvel Unlimited, but it was still written by Mark Grunewald, who unfortunately then died a few years later in 1996. Is that how he pronounce his name, Quasar? Yeah, it's like a Quasar. Oh, okay. Yeah, at first I said Quasar. That's how like, I've nope. always pronounced it. Nope, it's Quasar. Oh, okay. And so they reappeared two years later after Greenwald's death in 1998, Avengers Volume 3, number 5 through 6. And we'll eventually be covering the start of this story because there's alternate universe stuff with uh, Morgana Le Fay. Yeah. But it was written by Kurt Busiek with art by George Perez, uh, Alve, Bob Wyasek, Bruce Patterson on the finishes. Uh, Tom Smith on colors and Comicraft on the letters. So super underrated run, Kurt Busiek's Avengers. Which is it. sort of 
Which is sort of weird, because Busick's one of those, like, writers who is just generally held in a really good regard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're like going to... the beginning of his term, though. Yeah. And we're going to sort of breeze through this, because there's a lot of Avengers stuff. So the Avengers are uh, called to look at a crash Project Pegasus plane that was going after a sunken alien spaceship. And the team currently consists of Captain America, Iron Man... Warbird, who is a different persona of Carol Danvers, who eventually is Captain Marvel. Thor, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye. And sometimes Vision, who always has an excuse of why he can't go out with them. Oh, Vision. Yeah. You are the saddest, worst robot. It's true. Because this is when he had come back from death the first time. And he was like, oh, Scarlet Witch, I don't love you. That was the other version of me. Ho ho. Mm-hmm. Remember that great time, though? Because I also didn't like Little Vision. Remember that great moment when uh, Iron Lad just punched his face off? I liked Teen Vision. I did not like Teen Vision. I was glad when he got his face punched off. I also think, I still think it's always really creepy, too, because the Visions are the creepiest of, like, characters. They magically always end up scoring with the ladies that the, like, person that their brain is, like, mimicked after, like, is in love with. Yeah, for some reason, the Vision always is the one who gets them. Robot dick. I guess. Because, bam, Team Vision gets Cassie after Iron Lad wanted her. And then regular Vision gets Wanda after Wonder Man wanted her. So when they reach the site, Captain America and Hawkeye start arguing about how they want to proceed. But that's when the Squadron Supreme appears with their newer versions of the costumes. And that's Hyperion, Doctor Spectrum, who... Presumably got the power prism out of his body. And Hyperion Sally doesn't have his cool glasses anymore. Yeah. A Skylark, the shape, Haywire, Power Princess, Wizard, and Moonglow, which is weird because Moonglow is actually Arcana, who has just started calling herself Moonglow because, sure. Yep. The Squadron Supreme think that the Avengers were the people who had attacked the ship, and they aren't even sure that these are the real Avengers because this was after Onslaught. Uh, after the Thunderbolts had been revealed to be supervillains and after like some early scroll invasion stuff had happened. Remember Onslaught, Luke? Remember how great that was? Remember Teen Tony? Teen Tony, you'll be caught up in love, Teen Tony. Teen Tony. Teen Tony. Yeah, uh, Jerry and Miles have a really, really good cold open explaining Onslaught and it does not go well. I bet. Because, like, that guy has been retconned so many times. I'll I'll put a link to that in the notes. But the uh, teams start fighting because obviously they do. And the Squadron Supreme is doing better. Captain America keeps yelling at Warbird to switch over to the uh, binary form. But nobody knows that she can't do it anymore except for her. Because, like, Cap comes off as a jerk in these issues. Yeah, I bet. Though he also doesn't have his normal shield for reasons it makes him sad when he doesn't mm-hmm. have the shield and during the fight scarlet witch ends up fighting moon and scarlet witch ends up summoning back like the weird energy ghost form of wonder man who fights with her wonder man loves being like the weird ghost formulas inside of people because he also does that to rogue and uncanny avengers one day his folks just quit and then simon williams took a look inside of it his molecules got all rearranged gotta get to know because he's wonder man now he kind of sucks because he is Wonder Man now. Yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that. Not really either. I was going to say you could say it's more like uh, South Park when Kenny's living inside of Cartman. Wonder Man is on the loose. Basically. Wonder Man is loose. 
basically Wanda thought that this weird purple mix was going to make some cool like fruit juice or something if she mixed it on some water. Uh, meanwhile, while everyone else was fighting, Dr. Spectrum was like, hey, look, I saved this plane. The Avengers are trying to go and uh, like get all the credit for it because they're glory hogs and they're fake heroes and they're not, they're not even the real Avengers. And, like, as a result, things escalate really quickly because Captain America's like, oh, well, we can trust the media. They'll sort it out. And then it's, like, two hours later. You now have 48 hours to prove that you're the actual Avengers or you'll all be under arrest. Cap loves his media. And Hawkeye's like, eh, it's not the first time. So the Avengers are really frustrated about this, and so they eventually head to Project Pegasus, where Warbird is really easily able to charm her way in with uh, one of the guards who used to know her back when she worked with the uh, army. And the team finds out that, along with researching alternate energy sources, uh, Project Pegasus also has a program set up where they're supposed to catalog all superpowered people. And they're like, oh, well, can you show us who can control minds? And they bring up a list of everyone who can control minds. Which is a good way of, like, introducing you to the character who ends up being involved with this. Mm-hmm. Or at least this small part of it. And they go into like, explore the base in the Squadron Supreme's private quarters. And the Squadron Supreme reappears looking to fight. Wonder, Woman, uh, Wonder Man gets summoned again. And they start fighting. That's when Scarlet Witch uh, starts to notice something is up. And Miss Marvel notices something is up with Blue Shield and the person who is leading the team. Uh, Hawkeye takes a hint from her noticing uh, that the team director has a weird shape on him. Which he shoots off, revealing it to be an image inducer. Thanks to Warbird's help. And it reveals that the uh, project director was actually Corrupter. Do you know much about Corrupter? Not really. I mean, yeah, he kind of has your... As you've mentioned in your notes, he has, like, a weird version of the Purple Man, but... Yeah, he's, he's the blue version of the Purple Man with white hair. And he was actually working for someone else, but as all good supervillains have, he had the contingency where if he tried to... Where if he got revealed, he would just fall into a coma and all of the uh, loose ends would be wrapped up. Captain America also ends up chasing Warbird off the team... Because she won't uh, come out about her Warbird. She won't come out about her binary powers not working. Well, this is also, too, at the height of Carol Danvers' alcoholic. That was like a big signature staple of BCX run, too. But she just has a small shot glass. Wanda, meanwhile, was the one who was going uh, whole hog on that pint of ice cream. It's true. I love, I actually love Warbird's horrible comment in retrospect where it's like, yeah, she's like holding up a glass of scotch and she's like, yeah, this won't hit your hips as hard as that ice cream will. It's like, that's, that's not the best thing to say, Warbird. Carol likes to be mean sometimes when she gets drunk. Yeah. And then she likes to get drunk in front of Tony and then Tony feels sad. (laughs) And so we end up having a reveal that Imus Champion has been controlling the Corruptor and the Squadron Supreme, both of which he has lost now, but he has gained what was on the alien ship. And do you know anything about Imus Champion before yes. you read my notes? No. Nope. Nope. Yeah, he's basically a super genius who also learned martial arts. Uh, Hawkeye taught him how to shoot a bow, 
He also knows magic. Uh, he fought the Avengers before. He tried to like blow up the San Diego Fault. And he has a collection of various magical and historical items. Which brings us to the Avengers Squadron Supreme Annual 1998. And this was written by Kurt Busiek with Lee Kaminsky. With Carlos Pacheco on pencils. Matt Banning, Vince Russell, Bob Wysak, Al Vey, Paul Neary on the inks. Uh, Richard Starkings and Comicraft and Dave Lanfear on letters and Tom Smith on the colors. And so this happens like a month or two after. And the Avengers are now having a training session with the Avengers being Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, uh, Swordsman, and Magdalene. Swordsman has a sword. Magdalene has a power spear. They both come from a alternate universe where they were part of the Avengers who had died. And then new members, Justice, who is Vance Astrovic and Firestar, uh, who you may remember from the New Warriors episode that we did on Egyptia. Mm -hmm. And like, while the rest of the team was having this meeting, Justice and Firestar had this discussion on the importance of Hank Pym to the world, which she makes some decent points. Yeah. I forget if you don't like Hank Pym or not. I do. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I like him. What? It's like, come on, Luke. I'm down, not down with the Pym. Wait, you're not down with him? Nope, not down with the Pym. Okay. But yeah, like, they come in and they just blow up the robots everyone else was, like, sparring with. And Captain America was like, uh, yeah, our actual mission was uh, not to destroy the robots. It's like, oh, well, next time we'll not do that. And Cap is trying to get everyone to join the team to bring their numbers back up. But then Moonglow appears and asks for help. And Vision still can't come along. And neither do uh, Swordsman or Magdalene when they go over to help. And as they fly over, Hawkeye recaps about the uh, Squadron Supreme stuff. And then Dr. Spectrum attacks their plane. And the Squadron is ready to fight because they're like, Oh, you Avengers are trying to beat the hell out of us again. And Moongla's like, No, no, I actually called them this time. Everyone's like, Okay, okay, we got this. We're going to chill down now. Squadron Supreme are jerks. They're entertaining jerks. But, uh... Oh, but they're jerks, yeah. Yeah. And so they had been attacked by another attempt to control their minds. This time they were prepared for it. And they called out for help. Oh, that was something else that really bothered me. Like, in the last issue, like, Captain America, like, mind control shames the Squadron Supreme for getting their minds controlled, like, a third or fourth time. It's like, what an asshole, Captain America. Captain America's like, I've only been mind controlled, like, twice at this stage in the game. Except that he was a Hydra agent all along. Oh, man. It's true. Have you been keeping up with that? No. I don't care about Captain America. Yeah, neither do I. He can be a Hydra agent for all I care. Yeah, they tracked the mind control to the source, and so Captain America and Hyperion agree that everyone should work together, and they head over and find a giant hologram of Imus Champion, who reveals that he was the one behind the Corruptor and all that other stupid bullshit, and he wants to best both teams of heroes. And to make sure that they fight him, uh, his basic plan is he is going to walk to a tower that he has set up that when he gets in there, he is going to release nerve gas unless they can stop him. And they're also locked in the area so they can't call for outside help. 
or else it will prematurely release the nerve gas. And so the teams decide to pair off with members from each of the other teams. The first pair is Hawkeye and Haywire. And Haywire had pranked Hawkeye earlier, but they start to find some things in common. And then Champion shows up and traps them using a weapon called an Eternal Brain. Which, no idea what that thing is. They're both doomed because neither one of them have one. Oh. Oh man, look at that slam. Scarlet Witch and Moonglow pair up and they are attacked by the champion wielding the Wand of Watum, which reverses and amplifies magic. And he's able to knock out Moonglow, so Scarlet Witch summons Wonder Man. But when Wanda gets knocked out, Wonder Man also gets uh, vanished. Uh, Thor and Hyperion are together and uses one of a and champion uses one of the wizard's wonder gloves for super strength and the staff of seth to take them out iron man dr spectrum and wizard are together since they have the best mobility i guess and he's able to trap wizard Uh, he takes out spectrum with a zodiac star blaster and uses an emp to take out iron man defeating them really quickly like champion does a good job of like taking these guys out like chumps oh yeah uh firestar and power princess are talking about how they can feel uncomfortable on the team they find him and he steals power princess's sword after knocking the two of them out captain america skylark justice and shape come in and champion is able to corrupt skylark's voice to knock out justice shape and skylark herself and when Captain America has, like, fought to resist it, Champion reveals that he has parts of Porcupine's costume, which releases a toxic gas that is able to knock out Captain America, winning the game for him as he heads to the tower to kill people with the gas bombs. But it turns out that giant man, Hank Pym, is there. He has already deactivated the bombs all across the country, and he has used his ants to tear apart the computer parts in the tower. And that's when the reconstituted and reawakened Avengers and Squadron Supreme show up. And Champion, realizing that he can't defeat all of them at once, surrenders. And then in his collection of weird memorabilia, they find a prototype of the Nth Projector and have it set up to return the Squadron Supreme home. But Haywire decides to stay back. And then Swordsman and Magdalene return to their own world. What did he think about Champion? I think he's an interesting concept for a villain. He's a lot like uh, Prometheus from uh, DC Comics. Yeah, he was cool. I enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did enjoy that. Yeah, he was able to take all the all of them out like Chump. Mm-hmm. I did mostly like, actually, though, having that nice little sh- uh, bit of Porcupine's costume. Yeah, I don't have a lot of familiarity with him. Oh, well, that's because someone apparently is not reading the current incarnation of Spider-Woman. Because she pals around with Jessica Drew and Ben Urich as they go around solving crime. And is occasionally the babysitter when Jessica needs to go out and do some superheroing. Now, what's really interesting is that, uh, yeah, these two characters came out around the same amount of time, uh, Prometheus and Champion. Because, like, uh, Prometheus was sort of the reverse Batman who was able to take out everyone like chumps. Mm Mm-hmm. And this would have also happened around the uh, famous Batman arc where Batman was revealed to have plans to take out everyone on the team that were turned against the oh, team. Oh, yeah, like Tower of Babel storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when was Tower of Babel? Tower of Babel. I also enjoy Champion's hair. Yeah, he's just like uh, 
I'm feeling really dumb for forgetting his name. War of the Worlds guy. The broadcast. No, oh, um, Ishii Wells. Or no, um, Orson Wells. Yeah, Orson Wells. Like, he's pretty much Orson Wells as a supervillain. Yeah. And uh, Tower of the Babel was set two years after. Oh, okay. So Prometheus came in at the right time, but not necessarily uh, Tower of Babel stuff. And so we now go to Squadron Supreme, New World Order, which isn't about the wrestling team, wrestling fans. And, uh... Yeah, and we all was... get that reference. Yeah, yeah. You know about the New World Order in wrestling, right? Nope. Uh, the New World Order was the team of Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall. That was why all I'm those people... I'm aware of who in... one of those people you just named is. Uh, that was why people in the 90s had the uh, NWO shirts. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that is. Okay. Well, I guess Bexley probably had less of a... Uh, like wrestling fandom than where I lived in uh, Westchester did. Probably. I do not understand wrestling, nor do I care for it. There's good stuff out there. I mean, I'm a fan of Chikara, but I haven't gotten into like the big league stuff because, I mean, Chikara is pretty much superhero antics. It's battle ballet. Mm. Do what I enjoy watching. Just watching John Cena being like, look at me, I'm John Cena. And then he fights other John Cenas. And then Duck Dynasty shows up occasionally. I don't know what you're talking about. There's Duck Dynasty. There's like, they're like brothers or something. They're like, yo, look at me. I'm Duck Dynasty. <laughs> but are you saying that they're like an actual wrestling promotion team or they're just also on the TV in the same way that John Cena is? No, there's, who are those brothers? Wrestling Brothers. <laughs> oh, like uh, Daniel Bryan. No. Oh, here we go. The Wyatts. That's what. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the Duck Dynasty people. Yeah, they all just look like a fucking Duck Dynasty people. I'm live tweeting this one. But then there's that guy who thinks he's cool and clever and wears the, like, your next lamb mask. Yeah, I don't know. I like uh, Let's Chikara. talk about the name of wrestlers I can say. You had The Rock, Goldberg, mm -hmm. who I heard something about him coming back, and then John Cena's. Well, see, I think you'd really like... Uh... And then there's that guy who died. Oh, yeah, and then Hulk Hogan. Well, I think that you'd like uh, Chikara stuff because it's like all very superhero-influenced. Yeah, well, that's cool. Like, right, like right now they have a... Uh long-running storyline where there's this uh, evil country called uh, Nazmaldun where they're uh, like mind-controlling good uh, villains or like good wrestlers and turning them evil there's like a entire contingent of ant people uh, it, it it's weird but it's a lot of fun it's fun okay. they also have two ice cream clowns on it well, that's better. They're Spanish ice cream clowns. Yep. They also have a uh, Viking who uh, killed a dragon who's also a wrestler. It, it's fun. It's I fun. I see. Oh, they also have uh, a version of Thor who is actually a thunder frog. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. 
Here's the other version of... of wrestling that I am also aware of. Then you have the classic time in Sunny, where they wrestle for the troops. Oh, I thought you were going to say Simpsons wrestling. Oh, where yeah, you play as Bumblebee Man. That's true. Yeah. Never actually played that game. Huh, I thought you would have. No. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, so sorry, the... no. I forgot about the one I have played for the Game Boy Color. One of the worst games ever made. Shrek Fairy Tale Freaked Out. <laughs> Let's talk about how Pinocchio is the most fucking OP character. And you cannot uh, beat him. Uh, let's not, because we've still got one more story to go. But over. he'll take his wooden leg off and throw it at you, and then you get hit and then die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the final story was uh, by, or the final story is Squadron Supreme: New World Order, which was written by Lynn Kaminsky with pencils by Anthony Williams, inks by Andy Lanning, colors by Tom Smith, letters by Richard Sarkings, and Comicraft. And so, weirdly, now the team is reaching their homeworld on a spaceship, which crashes when they get home. But it's like, they went home through a portal, not a spaceship. Maybe he made a, maybe Spectrum made another spaceship with his mind. So he could put maybe. a treadmill on it so that Wizard can get them home. Uh, Moonglow confirms that they are now home, but the world has changed and left them there. Weezer. Yep. But uh, Shape and Skylark have gotten knocked out, and so Spectrum flies them to a hospital. They get taken in, but the hospital administration has called in the Blue Eagles, who are the law enforcement, named after the original Blue Eagle. So Dr. Spectrum flies out of there, leaving Shape and Skylark behind so that he can warn the rest of the team. Arcana returns home and explains how she left her son to become a cosmic inth baby, and Philip is surprisingly chill about this whole thing. Oh, like, what? too chill. Mm-hmm. Well, they do already have, like, three kids. and But she, like, they've established that was the good child. Mm-hmm. The best child. I don't and, know. Uh, you say best. I feel like good is the correct term. Well, which of their children do you think was the best child? Well, that one turned into a cool space baby. Yeah, so that's why I said he was the best child. Yeah. More of I was more of implying the fact that the other children were bad. I'll, I'll imply that they didn't turn into cosmic space babies to save the universe from Nthman. Mm-hmm. And that is when Thomas Leitner, who is now calling himself Mysterian, shows up and warns her that the connection to magic has changed as well since they've been gone. Wizard has meanwhile gone home, and he finds that the Blue Eagles are there waiting to arrest him for illegally having powers. But they are taken out by a group of people dressed up like they're in black complete bodysuits, like black Zendai suits. And they are called the Nighthawks, who are the resistance to the Blue Eagles, so they steal Wizard's family away from him. Hyperion and Power Princess, meanwhile, have headed to their old base, and Hyperion realizes that they were not actually, it wasn't really a crash, it was them being shot down. And the world kept on moving once they left. Spectrum and Wizard show up, followed by Mysterium, who reveals that he is somewhat connected to Benjamin, the cosmic nth space baby. And as more Blue Eagles show up, they are transported by Mysterium, who says a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, 
but basically they need to get back up to having seven members and to do that they need to see the watcher the in-betweener and the dark phoenix and that's when they get dropped off on utopia isle and for a second i was excited here because i was like oh man are we going to see like how they deal with the phoenix force and like the watcher and the in-betweener what but we don't really call? get that mm-hmm. but nope yeah uh wizard's wife meanwhile is taken back to uh nighthawk's base where the leader is actually wearing the old school Nighthawk costume minus the cape. And he's concerned about whether or not the organization is becoming too hardcore. And everyone else is like, wait, how did you survive? Because we saw you die. Uh, Dr. Spectrum ends up hacking the orbital camera to hide Utopia Isle. And then they start looking at the news and the world is controlled by the Blue Eagles who basically call Nighthawks terrorists. They're using the B-modding to hunt down illegal thoughts now, and then, like, mind-wiping and mind-controlling them. And they're just a completely totalitarian system, proving that Nighthawk's original complaints about the Squadron Supreme, where if they would ever leave, the powers could be easily corrupted. He basically proves that, or they've basically proven that he was correct, and now they know that they need help. So Hyperion, Spectrum, and Power Princess go out to find three other members while Wizard sits around doing shit all. Zarda ends up finding Amphibian, who is the Aquaman analog, who agrees to join, realizing that the world is getting worse. Hyperion goes to talk to Nighthawk, who is actually the son of the Huckster, who was the Joker analog, who was raised by Nighthawk, uh, who killed his father. But Nighthawk now really doesn't want to work with Hyperion because Hyperion kills his killed his adoptive dad. So maybe Hyperion should stop killing dads. I mean, honestly, it would probably be for the best. Once you pop pop, you just can't stop. <laughs> and Dr. Spectrum goes to find James Doe, who is Skymax, the Skrullian Skymaster, who may be the last Skrull. And he wants to protect his new world. And so Skymax agrees to join the team. Wizard appears and lets them know that Master Menace is part of the government, so Hyperion decides that the team is going to take down the entire government because Master Menace is super evil. And so it starts with them attacking an army of tanks and battle suits. Hyperion gets hit by an Argonite laser that almost kills him, but Nighthawk comes in with an army of planes that his Nighthawks are using. And Hyperion is able to track down Master Menace, who is now super old. His mind has been broken by the B-Mod, and he warns about the new masters, the Global Directorate, who were voted into power because the people were basically full of fear. They regroup at Utopia Isle, and Nighthawk joins them as they officially reform the Squadron Supreme. I was kind of hoping that we were going to have a happier ending here, but we don't really have that. At the same time, it's pretty much par for the course for the Squadron Supreme. Mm-hmm. They don't really ever get a happy ending. No, they don't. Hyperion has his eyes again, so I guess that's a slightly happier ending than before. I guess. You know, smallest uh, surprises. But yeah, that is where we are ending with this for now. Next week, uh, we are going to be tackling... What are we tackling next week? Wouldn't you like to know? Yeah. Oh, next week we're doing Avengers Forever. Oh, yes. So, that's more Kurt Busiek. You love that Kurt Busiek. I do enjoy Kurt Busiek. And then after that, we're doing Heroes. 
and then we've got some stuff to figure out. But uh, yeah, I'm... yeah. Uh, so currently, the Squadron Supreme Universe uh, is number twelve on our list. It is Earth seven one two. Do we want to move that up at all? No, not really. Yeah, I mean, none of the stuff here added. I don't think any of it really took away either, though. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it stayed the course. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is all we have to cover this week. Uh, Multiverse Q is a weekly podcast. We do bonus episodes here and there. We also now have our spinoff podcast, Exiled. So, if you enjoy the podcast... Please let us know on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, MZ, a few other systems. If you like us enough to donate money via Patreon, we offer a bunch of rewards, including letting you pick universes that we will cover on the show or doing bonus uh, talking episodes about you. And, uh, yeah. Devin, where can people find you online? You can find me online at Fred Fett, that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T, and Luke, where can people find you? You can find me online at, at Coltrek, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G, or at L-U-K-E-H-E-R-R dot com. We will see you next week, but until then, this one's for Hank. <laughs>